Hi, I'm Rob Bager, and you're listening to Micro-Credentialism, bite-sized stories from the world of digital credentials. Hi, thanks for joining us for another episode of Micro-Credentialism, where we uh, explore bite-sized stories from the world of digital credentialing and micro-credentials. I'm joined today by Savi Barros, who is the VP of Workforce Platforms at Dignity Health Global Education. Savi is also the co-founder of the Anonymous Co., which is a company that's on a mission to help one million women level up in their life by teaching them uh, proven and actionable techniques to achieve their goals. Uh, Savi is also the host of the podcast Dream Big and Live Free, where she interviews innovators, executives, athletes, entrepreneurs, and disruptors about the challenges they have overcome to become the people they are today. So thank you so much, Savi, for joining me. I'm so excited to join you today, and I, I can't wait for our conversation. Very excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, without further ado, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, you and your work? Yeah, so I think for, for me on a, on a personal note, you definitely covered it, um, but as in terms of my work, so um, like you said, I'm the VP of Workforce Platforms at Dignity Health Global Education, and I'm responsible for designing, creating, building, and executing on DHGE's platform to empower nurses who work at hospitals through education and technology. And so by using technology, our goal is to give nurses control over their educational credentials, uh, their prior work history and skills all in one click. This will help nurses to get jobs faster and grow their careers. Um, my work is also in collaboration with Salesforce and it's a part of the LER, which is the Learner and Employment Records. For those of you who have no idea what that is, you will know what that is very soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it is coming out of the T3 Innovation Network, uh, which is a part of the US Chamber of Commerce. And ultimately all of this is, is sort of mandated and governed by the American Workforce Policy Advisory Board. It's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in this space, there's there's always this like alphabet soup of acronyms and jargon. So I definitely appreciate you uh, limiting the number of acronyms you're using and adding a little bit of context around uh, how those different programs are related to one another. Um, yeah, it's just it's really cool that you have been working so hard to design these kinds of solutions for nurses in particular, especially now uh, when it's never been more important to uh, make nurses' lives outside of healthcare as easy and simple and actionable, you know, to use that word from your intro, uh, as possible. And I also really like that you use the word control. I think that when it comes to digital badges, which is usually the thing that we're talking about uh, the most, um, so what, it's the, it's the name of the podcast, but one of those things uh, is control. I think... Uh, having ownership over your uh, achievements is, is one of those um, value adds for establishing a system that includes these things like digital credentials and stackable credential pathways and machine readable consistent 
records that can be shared between systems. You know, one of those things is control. Um, and it definitely helps folks, to use your words, grow their career, which is the goal, you know, mm -hmm. to use all those things, to recognize those things. Um, so um, I guess when it comes to digital credentialing specifically, um, can you tell me a little bit more about what got you interested in digital credentialing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I think we're staying in the I think we're staying on the control topic <laughs> for now, but uh, before I get back into that and why that's really important, I think the first thing is that um, it makes people feel good to see their progress, right? So very often when people are working towards a big goal, so achieving a degree um, or something that's a very long range goal, it is very motivating to get rewarded along the way and you yourself, as the person that's going through the process, can see that and experience that, and and get that little, you know, pat on the back from these from 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 these, uh, you know, credentials. But also, I think that you can display to the world, to potential employers, all of the things that you have learned so far in a very concrete way right so um it, it it creates meaning around the education that you're working towards and because it creates meaning it creates ownership and you're much more likely to double down and, and really pay attention to what it is that you're doing um you know back to this control thing so when you have all of these things right you feel good about it you have meaning um you have ownership that is really control. And so this control used in a very positive way injects or forces this notion of transparency into the hiring process. So today, um, in my opinion, and I've certainly been through my, you know, in my career, which has been pretty long, um, it, it is like a black box process, right? And, and companies are attempting to, um, you know, normalize uh, how they interview candidates um, by giving them, you know, like consulting cases. But, you know, some of these things they break in, in ways that just don't make any sense. So for example, if you're a consultant or if you've ever wanted to be a consultant, consulting cases are great. But if you're, a, you know, trying to go for a job, you've never been a consultant, you're still really good and someone's given you a consulting case, well, now you're being forced to approach this from a framework in a box perspective versus maybe from a creative perspective. So there are just so many different ways in which the current process fails, but that in itself could be a, a whole other <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah. But um, just you know, just to, to share a little bit more. So the ideal state you know, for this is, uh, you know, from my interests, is that when bo both employers and employees can clearly define what skills are needed for a job and how a potential employee fits that. And for me, that's a win-win-win because the institutions have a better idea of what they should actually be teaching, which that in itself is, you know, just kind of made up today. They're not really connected to industry as much as they should. The employers can clearly see the credentials or qualifications of the person coming in and the end user it can clearly say, hey, this is what I can do very clearly. Yeah, yeah, I think that um, 
I mean, everything you mentioned from something as simple as the intrinsic motivational value of feeling good about your progress, whether you're at the start of that journey or whether you are halfway through or whether you've completed the first part of that journey, because we all know that sometimes these learning uh, experiences, uh, they don't really end. I mean, they literally call it a practice in healthcare. So it's this lifelong pursuit that suddenly uh, when we use things like digital credentials, uh, the learners have a better idea of where they are in their learning journey. They are recognized along every step of that journey, sometimes in a more granular way than a traditional macro credential, sometimes I call them. You know, like uh, like I, I, I'm a teacher. I was a teacher, so I got a teaching certificate, and that's a macro credential. It required like dozens of hours of professional training, it took a year, but each individual learning experience on that journey uh, could have been recognized. And I think that that's, um, that's sort of what you're describing. Uh, and, and because every individual person's learning pursuit is unique, um, it's giving that individual pursuit meaning. So you mentioned that, you know, uh, breaking things down this way creates meaning. And I think that you know, we're, what we're talking about here is like a personalized recognition system that communicates the skills and competencies specifically uh, that that learner has demonstrated and then communicates those things to employers some way down the road when maybe that individual institution um, has achieved their goal of providing that professional learning. Um, so uh, I guess when it comes to uh, how you've used Badger's uh, to support those goals. Can you tell me a little bit about how you use Badger specifically uh, for some of those folks who are ready, you know, to get into the weeds a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Dignity Health Global Education is a workforce development company at its core. Um, so skills and competencies really matter and our clients are actively seeking to address these issues in their organization. So when we develop a curriculum, we take a look at skills that go with that curriculum. And we use Badger to highlight those competencies and to allow the learners to show the skills. But really what we want them to do is we want them to shoot, you know, shout it from the rooftops that, hey, they've acquired this skill and it's super valuable. And this is how, um, you know, they can really help the organization. Um, it also allows the company on the other side to quickly recognize that person's skills. So it really, for us, the ultimate goal um, is to surface skills easily so that people can find jobs that are a better fit for them or grow in their jobs to get promoted. And all these things really equal more visibility, which, you know, mean higher pay and a better quality of life. Yeah, so I guess just to, you know, piggyback on that, um, when you mention those skills or those events that you're using digital badges to recognize, could you, I guess, walk me through what one of those skills or competencies might uh, be and how that would be awarded or recognized with a digital badge? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I can. So let me give you one example. So we currently partner with Pepperdine Business School School on a program, and that program is about healthcare analytics for decision makers. And there's a particular module in that program, which is called Making Sense of Complex Healthcare Variables. So after taking this particular module, the person would have knowledge of complex data variables that are utilized in the healthcare industry. Um, they would also be able to, um, you know, ensure that this person understands that, you know, proper care, the proper care that needs to be provided to the patients. Um, so obviously that helps the healthcare systems better to plan for where, you know, what services should be offered um, and how services should be offered. So I guess just to push back on that a little bit, what, how was this done in the past? So before digital badging? Um, what were those challenges that you were um, seeking to solve specifically with this this new model of recognizing the skills and competencies? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think that the that the your question actually relates to something that still exists today for anyone that's not really in the in the badging world, right? So it's you know when anyone goes to an institution and gets a degree or you go and you take a course or a certificate program, um, you know what's in the syllabus, but it's not like the syllabus is then sent to the employing institution, I'm sorry, the employing company, like there's no way for them, an, an HR recruiter or for a hiring manager to really understand, well, what can you actually do? Like, it's so awesome that you took this course, like get this degree, congratulations. But what does it mean for me as your, you know, potential new boss or your potential new company? So it just leaves people with you know, a lot of unanswered questions and you're sitting there as the, the potential employee having to, you know, kind of prove yourself as to how valuable you are to the company through experiences that you may have had a while back. Does that, you know, does that make sense? Whereas like if you use the digital badges, then you can clearly see, you know, I took this course and now I understand complex data variables. I took this course and now I understand what services should be offered and how they should be offered and how to take care of patients. And to me, that's the kind of resume that I want to look at. I mean, we all know that most companies don't really even pay attention to resumes. And now there are all of these like, you know, systems out there that kind of block and screen. But I think that if, you know, through badging, you make it more actionable, you make it more um, easier to understand on the potential employer. So, um, you know, I guess that's a long way of saying like the, what you say has been happening in the past is really still normal practice today. What Badger is doing is they're building the future. And, you know, that's why we like to, to work with you guys. Yeah, well, that's really great to hear. And I'm, and thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just to just to kind of um, respond to that, I mean, some of the things that you're identifying here in the healthcare industry were exactly some of the same things that I noticed in the education sector, where, you know, sure, I had this macro certification, and it was a single line on my resume. It was state certified for New Jersey. Okay, I checked that box. Mm -hmm. But Really, that's all of the information that that, rec that certificate was really providing my employer, who in this case was, you know, really a principal 
in a school? You know, can I fit the needs of that school for that term? You mm-hmm. know, not just am I a teacher? Okay, yes, I have the certificate to prove that. But really, like what skills and competencies will contribute to some of the institutional learning outcomes or the school learning outcomes? And then how can I actually follow through with my individual educational outcomes for my students? Um, am I a data, you know, teacher? Am I someone who goes in and like focuses on labs? Am I someone who goes in and like by the book teaches to the standards, right? Like, so like what kind of teacher I am? Uh, not just do I have the requisite certifications necessary to uh, qualify for that particular role. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, a lot of what you said resonates with me. And I also like, um, you've sort of been touching on this a little bit, but the motivational aspect of these digital badges is a little bit more um, obvious. You know, like obviously I need to get a standard certificate or I need to get a project management certificate or I need to get a computer science, you know, a language certificate or something like that or on a particular system. But how exactly am I interacting with those systems? And how am I verifying those skills? Is it through something that's granular like a portfolio? So what advice would you have for someone who might be a newcomer uh, to this idea of digital credentialing? Yeah, I my advice would be to embrace it. And I mean, for me, this advice goes to companies and it goes to to you know students or learners. It would really be to embrace it and and get on the boat now and you know, be a leader and don't wait until it's too late. So if you're a company, really think about how you can um, groom your employees internally. So there are a lot of people who work at companies that they've decided that maybe they want to try something new, they want to try something different, but they're not really sure how to make that switch. And of course, people are always nervous. It's like, how do you even talk to your boss and say, hey, there's something on another team that I'm more interested in. I want to go there. Like that's a really awkward conversation for someone to have. But if you created an environment that was open and transparent and you allowed people to explore different careers within your company and you did take an approach of having all of your job requisitions broken down by skills, then that person would be able to say, hey, I have you know these five skills, the job that I'm interested in has these eight skills, and I really want it. They can go ahead and take the necessary steps to get those three other skills and then have an informed conversation um, with their boss and say, hey, I really love working here. But, you know, I'd like to try something new. I think this is a direction that I'd like to have my career go in and really support them. Um, it's, it's a well-known fact that you know, having someone leave costs a firm a lot of money. It's better to keep someone at your company and allow them to grow and experiment while they're at your business um, because that will definitely pre, uh, create loyalty um, and, and retention. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know in human resources departments, hiring, um, we hear this all the time that your people are your greatest asset. And there's a ton of outstanding documentation on institutional knowledge capture and transfer, critical knowledge transfer. Um, And I like the way you just explained um, 
you know, the, the idea of embracing it. So let's say you have a handful of staff and instead of having to hire a brand new person for what might be a new role, there's some moves that you can make to grow your own team uh, internally. And you can use skills as a roadmap for figuring out, you know, who might be the best candidate internally for potentially taking a relatively, uh, a much smaller course, like an individual course. Maybe, you know, they don't have to go back to school. Maybe it's as simple as, oh, maybe you need an advanced bloodborne pathogen training, something like that, uh, instead of hiring a brand new person. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, I wrote a note here and it just says show growth. In other words, it gives your, it gives your staff the opportunity to show their growth and communicate that um, as well. You sort of mentioned that, you know, you can literally show someone your learning pathway. You can show them your digital badges. You can show them, oh, I, if I had this achievement unlocked, if I demonstrated this skill, then I would all of a sudden be eligible for this new role. And um, I think it really helps staff evolve with the company because companies have to evolve. I mean, things are changing all the time, but how do you know what investments to make to help your staff evolve with lockstep with your particular objectives that your company may have? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that, you know, as you're talking, like, um, so I don't know, I, I dream in, uh, or I think in like pictures. So as you're talking, I'm literally like, you know, picturing like a, a wave, a wave graph of, of, of people's skills evolving. But I think what I would share with employers is that, um, and I, I don't think I'm about to share anything that's, you know, <laughs> groundbreaking idea, but I think the days of, you know, one person working for a company 30, 40, 50 years, your entire life, it's over. It's long gone. It's been gone for a really long time. And so what people do is they actually experiment in their careers, right? So I have friends that have had 10-year careers, 20-year careers, um, and they've probably never worked for one company more than two to three years. And the reason is because within that own the starting company, they were not allowed to experiment. So maybe they got into a job and they did it for two years and they liked it initially, but then they just couldn't see how it was going to ultimately get them to where they want to go. And so really where things have shifted from is I think that a lot of people have shifted from, okay, I'm going to be loyal to this logo, you know, company brand versus I'm loyal to my vision of where I want to take my own career. And so I'm going to basically ride that wave of who's going to help support me in my career. So if someone wants to, you know, become an executive, they are looking for a company that's going to support them. They're willing to work hard, but they're looking for a company that's going to support them in that trajectory. And that trajectory may not necessarily be on the same team. It could be, you know, on team number three or four or five. Right. But I think that companies just really need to understand that this is now a culture, a whole, you know, generation of workers who are all about experimenting. I mean, like, the idea of me ever buying a car again is like kind of gross. Like I don't ever want to. Own <laughs> I mean, I actually owned a car when I was a teenager. The thought of owning a car now seems so ridiculous. Why? Because like, if I want a car, 
I can go rent one for the afternoon and then drop it off and then I'm done, right? I have no payments. I have nothing. Um, if I want to get in a car or I get an Uber, it's the same thing with jobs. I mean, I don't think employers want to hear this, but this is what people are doing anyway. So this is, a again, a roundabout way of saying that in order to create employee retention, loyalty, build a strong brand, allow people to experiment within your companies, but you can facilitate this experimentation by really getting on board with this badging and credential movement that's happening. Really help your employees to understand the skills and credentials that they have. You know, promote transparency, allow everyone to understand what type of skills make up a particular job and give people the chance to say, hey, I want this job and I'm willing to go take the classes that I need to take in order to get this job and allow them to experiment. People will work harder. They will be, they will stick around longer. Um, and again, that just, you know, helps to build the brand ultimately. Yeah. A lot of what you said just resonated with me, uh, especially the fact that you, you don't have a car. Um, you know, I live in Brooklyn, so I don't have a car. Um, you know, it it might be crazy, but it really is a cost benefit analysis that a lot of these workers are doing. It's okay. I'm spending X number of years in this particular role. I'm sure that they do a great job. They're grateful for the opportunity. They get really valuable experience. They're expanding their network. They're establishing relationships with the folks that they work with. All of that, none, none of that will change. Okay. That's just having a job. But when it comes to socioeconomic mobility, when it comes to following through on your own vision for the kinds of jobs that you want to be able to have down the line, um, facilitating that conversation with really meaningful, actionable, tangible digital credentials really allow you to measure that journey in a way with a resolution that really hasn't been available in the past. this isn't a crazy technology, you know, like that this idea has been floating around for a decade or more. People have been talking about skills. All you have to do is look up the skills gap to know that there has been an absence in the ability to make informed decisions, uh, both from the worker's perspective and the employer's perspective. And then with the institutions sometimes caught in the middle about what opportunities having certain skills were, will unlock and where actually to be recognized for demonstrating those skills and those those competencies in a way that's right for the learner. Because um, we all know that no two people learn the same way. You know, there might be some 25-year-old who is taking a Coursera course on the weekends or something like that, and maybe that's how they learn this particular skill. Meanwhile, there's traditional professional development that sometimes folks go to over a weekend, or maybe they'll spend a week, or maybe they'll take a college course. There are so many ways to learn. But ultimately, what matters is how are you being recognized for those skills? What opportunities are those skills unlocking? And how can employers help support the professional growth of their staff by uh, making those skills, those requisite skills, more transparent? And then recognizing the employees who are growing those skills over time uh, can help retain staff for sure. Um, I also have had a bunch of different jobs. Um, you know, I started out in, in laboratory work and then I pivoted to education and then I pivoted to Silicon Valley, helping to build these digital credentialing systems. 
And now I'm at CSky and I get to have, you know, a more broad view of the kinds of ecosystems that I'm helping support. But, um, you know, our stories are not unique. I have, you know, a network too. And I can't, I can't think of a single, I have one friend who's been at Google for like 12 years and, Mm -hmm. and it's not because (laughs) I guess he probably is never going to listen to this, but like, it's not because he loves Google. I'm not like throwing shade at Google. It's a great place to work, but you know, he has a family. He has, he has other reasons why he's stayed at that company for as long as he has. And it happens to be a really great company. Um, but that's really the only example of someone, I don't know, within 10 years, plus or minus of my age, who's been at a singular company for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. this is the landscape. Yeah, I would say that one of the things that I really love about um, badging and, and skills is that it levels the playing field. Mm. It totally levels the playing field. Um, it really, what I like about it is that you can take a resume and you can black out whatever school the person went to. Just black it out, black out their address, black out anything that identifies what that person's, um, you know, gender is, what school they went to, what neighborhood they live in. Or right. You black all of that out and you compare two resumes with just skills. There is, it is undeniable who you would want for that job. And this is what is so awesome about it. Um, it completely shatters any type of brand recognition because the truth is there are a lot of very good branded um, educational institutions out there that, you know, still when students graduate or they leave, they're not equipped. They still need to go learn the stuff that they would need to learn for the job anyway, right? Um, But if you remove any type of identifying feature that creates any type of bias in someone's Mm. mind around hiring, then to me, this is the ultimate gift of creating equality for people everywhere. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I I love what you just said. Um, I'm glad you brought it up, but yeah, bias is definitely something that, um, affects someone's job trajectory in a way that's just not fair it's just not it's not equitable it's not fair it's um it's it's not even it's not even constructive right like at the end of the day does it really does it really matter where you went to school really does it because I went to four universities right I went to a commuter school because I actually was on the fence about going to college at all I wanted to join the military um but college was kind of like a plan B. So I went to a commuter school. It was cheap. I could drive there. I didn't care about the freshman experience, all that stuff. It was local. Um, and then I transferred to a four-year uh, state school, uh, and I attended county classes over the summer so I could stay ahead of everybody because I was also footing the bill for that whole experience, which I think uh, has more of an impact on um, where and how people acquire this kind of training than, than we like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then once I'm in the job market, I have to compete with people who went to Stanford and I have to compete with people who went to MIT and I have to compete with people who went to these schools that just have excellent brand recognition. Are you really going to hire the person who went to Rutgers or are you going to hire the person who went to Princeton? And is that actually what you should be making your decisions based on? Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you work for some of these places and you know, everybody went to Ivy's and I'm the guy who went to the state school and I'm like, wow, they must have really needed my particular skills because it doesn't seem like, <laughs> you know, this seems to be their MO. And I know it's not intentional, you know, it's all network, right? It's like your professional mm -hmm. network and the school you go to is like part of that. It, mm -hmm. it, it's like part of the bill. It's like a, um, one of the benefits, right? But if you're making decisions based on these kinds of things, um, then I, I'm not sure that you're really making uh, like obviously constructive decisions. And mm -hmm. you're certainly leaving a lot of people behind. I mean, just think, what, what if you didn't go to college, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing about like, you know, when people talk about they have a diverse company, it's like, okay, well, a diverse company doesn't mean that you have people that, you know, their skin color, you know, completes every single shade out there. Like that is not diversity. If when you look at those people's credentials, they all went to Stanford. They all, right. you know, they all did consulting. Like they all went to, you know, like a private, um, you know, whatever school. Like that's not diversity to me, right? Because again, the color of your skin, you're not, you don't have a diverse workforce if people all have this same kind of academic pattern. Right. right. And so for me, it's more about, um, again, what can you actually do? That is what I personally care about. And so I really, again, I really love the idea of, of skills and, and badging because it completely, again, levels the playing field. You can take resumes, you can black it out. In fact, my co-founder and I were looking, were offering uh, two unpaid internships for our business. And we basically put in our job description, do not put your school. Hmm. We said, we don't want to know your school, but we're interested in these particular skills. This is what we need someone to do. Put this in your video application. Right. We don't even want resumes because the video application would actually highlight in order for someone to actually video apply to us, they would have to have the kind of video and social media skills right. we're looking for. So I would be able to tell immediately just from the submission if the person can actually do that. Right. So um, you know, this this is this is where I am at personally. Yes, I, I also am aware I do have these academic credentials. But at the end of the day, I think that my own personal like motivating factor was always to be um, valuable and deliver value to all of the companies I worked for, um, to all of the teams that I was on, to all of my bosses, to my coworkers. It was how about how could I deliver as much value as possible. And the only way I was able to deliver as much value throughout my career is by actually becoming like ninja good 
stuff. <laughs> no, I'm serious. This yeah. Is like, you know, I, I was like, I've, I've actually been referred to as a global one woman SWAT team, right? I mean, <laughs> I just, I just became extremely good at getting stuff done, especially in crazy projects. So, and I can claim that as my skill, like all day and night and twice on Sundays. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so again, this is the beauty of skills. And, you know, now I, I feel like I'm, I'm rambling a little bit. No, but, no, no. Yeah. But, but that's the point, right? So I yeah. would love to see us get to a point where, you know, we, we completely remove all of this identifying information and purely focus on this is the job. This is the skills. This is how the person has shown this in the past. And you go from there. Right. Yeah. You, you're basically alluding to competency-based hiring. And I feel like competency-based hiring is something that folks will probably hear a lot about, especially right now um, with what's going on with the global economy. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, it's always been in the back of people's minds that the skills obviously were something that were established via other proxies. So like a, a, college degree as a proxy for professional development and learning. And it still is. But if we have this tool that gives you more resolution, you know, why wouldn't you use that tool? Um, And I also like what you said about um, diversity of experiences. I think that, you know, uh, you and I are probably in the same census group in terms of our age. And Mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, we care passionately, deeply. All you have to do is read the news on a single day to, to, to really understand that diversity is a value that, you know, it, it belongs to everybody. But right now, I feel like it, as more people our age are entering the workforce, it's becoming abundantly clear that this is a non-negotiable, that diversity, all kinds of diversity need to, there need to be levers to increase diversity, to recognize um, aspects of diversity that just were not recognized previously. Um, And one of those things is diversity of experiences, diversity of skills. You do not want a homogeneous company that has everybody from the same background who looks the same and went to the same school and it's the same network. Like that, that's not a recipe for success for the company. And I think that, um, you know, you could prove that numerically. Like I could show you actually companies, uh, you know, in the tech sector, for example, some of them uh, started off with uh, diversity and it probably contributed uh, to their success. And now some of those companies are having a really hard time um, navigating these kinds of issues because, you know, they have folks who what do they say when you're in hiring? They say, don't hire anyone you like and don't hire anybody like you because it just triggers this bias in your brain. So if you just eliminate it, like you said, blackout, if you just, if you eliminate those aspects of, um, of uh, someone's resume or career submission, uh, that would bias you. And you just literally look at the skills or maybe what skills are missing, right? Like what skills someone does not have can say a lot about, what kind of employee, what kind of staff member, what kind of team member they are going to be. Are they interested in growing in those areas? This can lead to way more substantive, tangible conversations at the onset and throughout a a team member's um, experience, whether they're entry, whether they're coming in 
as someone with experience who's trying to pivot to an executive role, like you mentioned, you know, basically what this does is it just provides more information for these kinds of conversations to happen. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm reading in your response there. Yeah, I, I would also add to what you're saying that, you know, in terms of diversity, so it's, it's very good to get people who have had different life experiences and people who um, think different ways right. than you do, right? Because where you will see a, a wall, they will see an opportunity. And there right. is no, no school other than the school of life will ever give you that kind of vision and that kind of education. There is no book that you could ever read that can tell you how to come up with a problem in uh, the solution to a problem in 10 different ways. Because if you sit there and come up with 10 answers yourself, it's just 10 answers from your perspective. Right. Right. If they gave you and I a same, the same question, and said, give 10 ways of how you would solve this. I promise you they would be totally different. I mean, of right. course we have some similarities, but there would be very unique ways in which we would approach it. And that I think is very healthy and useful for businesses. And this is why when I said earlier that a standardized, coming up with artificial, how am I gonna say this? Artificially standardized way of hiring people when people don't have the same life experiences, they don't have the same educational background, you can still be very successful and do very well at work, not following a quote unquote framework that someone taught you, but you can still achieve the same result. So this is why, again, I think it's really important, and I love that you guys are on the, you know, you're you're leading the way on this initiative, and it's one that I'm very excited about. Simply because, you know, as you can tell from from my background and everything that I'm doing, from you know my own company to the work that I do, um, you know, with DHGE, it's all about empowering people, and a lot of that has to do with really just removing these walls that have existed for many years, but we're so fortunate, like in my opinion, I am living in the best time in history right now because technology is basically the gateway for many people to elevate themselves, right? You don't have to travel anywhere. You don't have to eat. You don't even have to have a network, right? You can basically connect with people around the globe any level just by accessing a computer. Now I realize that not everybody in the world has a smartphone or a computer, but that being said, um, even with that challenge, the world today is still more accessible than it has ever been. Right. Yeah, and I like how you said, um, I really like this. It's probably gonna be one of the quotes on one of my social promotion tweets. But if you, it doesn't matter how many solutions you come up with, they're all from your perspective. So the more folks that we get, um, the more opportunities we're creating for eligible 
for trained, for qualifying people, regardless of their background, regardless of where they come from or how they learn those skills or how long it may have took them to learn those skills. Um, we really want to create a level playing field for folks because not only is that a win for uh, job seekers, for people who are trying to make careers, but it's really a win for employers too. It's really a win for employers to make their hiring a little bit more sophisticated, a little more agile. Um, uh, something that came to mind, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it came to mind like diversity and ecosystems, right? Mm -hmm. So in agriculture, they have these things called monocultures and they have like an entire mile of corn that's all genetically identical. And if a virus or a bacteria swoops in and that strain of corn happens to be susceptible to that particular contagion, then you might end up with an entire crop that's gone in a weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, however, if you had, you know, maybe some heritage varieties of corn in those groups, well, maybe that monoculture would disappear, but you would still keep half your crop because it was just different. It was a different kind of the same thing that you're trying to grow. So you're able to satisfy your ultimate objective of, you know, being in this case, this is an analogy, but being a farmer who makes a living off of selling food, well, you aren't suddenly left empty handed. You may have, you know, encountered a challenge, like life is consists of challenges, but you don't, you're, you're a lot more formidable. You have a lot more, um, what is the word I'm looking for? You're, you have a better immune system almost like your the company that you're building is more resilient that's the word you yeah. build a more resilient company by hiring people um who have um who come from diverse backgrounds who have a diversity of skills and experiences and and ideas ultimately yeah yeah absolutely um it's really um it's it's basically how to evolve the biology of your organization. Yeah, this, yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah, in a lot of ways, a company is kind of like a, you know, an organism, right? It's, mm -hmm. it lives and it grows and it encounters these challenges. And based on what decisions you make about the composition of your company, your strategy, your goals, you know, you, you're either well, you're either able to weather some of these inevitable storms and you know, over your and my lifetime, what the economy has collapsed completely twice. And, mm -hmm. you know, the college, college debt is skyrocketing. And, you know, it's just, and then there's, you know, climate refugees, it's, it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so the, I think the least, <laughs> the least an employer could do is uh, see the writing on the wall with regards to uh, skills based or competency based hiring, uh, ultimately making the company more resilient and really meeting, um, you know, their employees who are likely also learners um, where they are uh, and helping them get to where they want to go. So, um, you know, before we go too far, because this sounds like this is fertile ground for a whole nother podcast. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just so much going on. It's impossible not to recognize, you know, the state of the world right now and trying to think about how what we're talking about um, could pose as potential solutions to some of these challenges. You know, obviously not all of them. This isn't like a silver bullet, but like, you know, this is one of those ideas that I think it's worth considering. Um, so, 
uh, I guess before we close here, um, one of the questions that I like to ask uh, and, and recognize is that, you know, Badger's great, you know, that's where the podcast comes from, but, but it's not done. So if you could make some suggestions um, for our product team, uh, how can we make some improvements um, to this ecosystem that we've developed and we welcome folks like uh, Dignity Health with Welcome Arms? Yeah, yeah. So we could definitely give you some feedback there. Um, uh, so I, I think the consensus internally is that we'd love for Badger to handle the certificate issuing in addition to the badges. So while you guys are creating the future, right, you're pushing forward on badges, it's still going to take time for employers and learners who are basically the consumers of education, right? And so both learners and employers are used to seeing diplomas. Diplomas are expected by the employers, but they're also still um, you know, a sense of pride for the learners. Even if you know we get it and we put it in a box and we put it in the closet, we know it's in the closet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Know? Right, but it's still very important. So I think because the consumer wants and expects certificates, um, you know, even a visual representation of this on LinkedIn is super valuable. So this is kind of what we would love to see from Badger. But in addition, we really want to understand at a granular level how badges are being used. Um, and then if that could be shown at the student level too, that would be incredible. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely uh, echo your, your concern about uh, diplomas gathering dust. I still have to buy a frame for mine if I can find it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, but you still wanted it. It's it was true. still yours. <laughs> it's like the most expensive decoration in my apartment. To be completely <laughs> yeah. honest, it's like a hundred thousand dollars. Um, that should be on the wall, right? I frame totally useless things. <laughs> um, Congratulations, you're human. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I, I think that there's there's still a lot of work we can definitely do around the learner record um, and creating this parity between some of these high stakes, traditional certifications, college diplomas, things like that, and then combining those things uh, with maybe the pathways or digital badges or something like that. I know that some universities do issue open badge equivalents of their degrees. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's something that you can independently verify, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there's definitely a lot more work to do there. Um, when it comes to uh, your work, though, what are your next steps for some of the work that you've been describing? Yeah, so my next steps are, you know, number one, get back to work. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's really, for, for our platform that we're building, it's really to be able to have the nurses bring in their educational information, their prior work um, information, and all of their you know certificates. And from their education perspective, and certainly their prior work history, break that down all by skills, and make sure that when we're communicating their talents to employers that those are communicated at the skill level as well. So obviously this is, 
you know, also the new frontier for us, right? The best way that I can explain the work that I'm doing is that, hey, we know that there's an outer space. We know that there are planets in this section of outer space, but we have no idea what they're like. This is basically the work that I'm doing. So we're basically similar to Badger, right? Creating the future, but this is how it all starts. Um, and so the whole point of this is to make sure that nurses, they can consciously choose a professional trajectory. And because we're able to break it down at the skills level, it's very transparent as to, you know, do they want to actually go down this trajectory because they can clearly see the skills? Right. Or, and if they do, well, this is what they need to do in order to do it. So that's, you know, the direction that I need to go in right now. Great. Yeah. Um, cool. And I guess last but not least, is there anyone that you would like to thank, any shout outs you'd like to make and how folks can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, again, shout out to you and Wayne Skipper, obviously for, you know, <laughs> that's, 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 that's number one. Thank um, you. And uh, yeah, for the rest of the folks who are definitely, you know, not, not, they are also very important. So Andrew Malley, you know, our CEO, Kurt Hayes, our chief learning officer, Julie Deloyer, our chief academic officer. I work with these folks really closely on the initiatives that I'm doing, and they're just such a wealth of knowledge. Um, so it's great to have such brain power to pull on while I'm doing this work. And then, um, you know, finally to our, our partners over at Salesforce that I work with every day. So Adam Kaplan, Phil Kamarni, and Rodolfo Irgeta, um, you know, we're all working feverishly for our demo day at the White House, which is sometime in September. So um, yeah, just, it's a great group of people to, to work with. That's super cool. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. So uh, Savi, how can folks uh, reach you? Yeah, thanks for asking. So the best way to reach me is on LinkedIn by just looking me up by name. So that's Savvy, S-A-V like Victor I, last name B like boy, A-R-R-O-W, E like Edward, S like Sam on LinkedIn. And I have the same handle on Instagram. So either of those two ways works. Cool. And do you want to shout out some of those, uh, some of your other work that you're doing, the podcast that I mentioned? Oh, yeah, sure. Happy to. Yeah. So um, I am the host of a podcast called Dream Big and Live Free. You can get that anywhere you get your podcasts. And um, I have to say that it is really incredible to listen to the journeys of, you know, all the people that I interview. So I've had executives on there. I've had someone who is a former professional NFL player. And these people talk about how they really started from a place of absolute turmoil and despair and basically rose um, to where they are today. You know, some people, very successful executives. And again, another person, you know, is in the, the NFL. So um, our goal is to basically inspire the world. So COVID has really caused a lot of chaos in people's lives. And what we want to share, you know, including my own personal story, people can, you know, find that as well. Um, it's really in the moments of extreme challenge that you find the cause and the reason to rise. And this is where this podcast started. So I think you guys will like it and please check it out, you know, Spotify, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
I love it. Um, do you want to drop uh, uh, some more information about Anonymous? Um, sure. So th thanks for that plug too. So the Anonymous Co. Um, is the company that I'm the co-founder of, and we're on a mission to help empower 1 million women to level up in their careers and lives. And we do that by teaching them actionable techniques so they can go ahead and learn how to get put on that high-level project at work, how to get promoted, how to network within their organizations so they can also um, you know, have different jobs or grow in their careers. Um, and we are currently um, hosting workshops. Um, and so you know, more info on that when the next one is available. But that's, that's, that's where we're at right now. And we're just super excited to do this. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for joining me, Savi. Thanks a lot. This has been Micro-Credentialism, bite-sized stories from the world of digital badges, with me, Rob Bajer, digital credentialing evangelist for Badger at Concentric Sky. Thanks for tuning in.